Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 183. And today, as many of us are wrapping up that second marking period, looking towards the second half of the year, we here at Ask the Tech Coach are going to take a step back and we're going to talk all about relationships, those things that we need to do I know as coaches, we spend so much time in our classrooms focusing on the task at hand, doing many, many tasks at hand, but today we're actually going to sit back and talk about relationships, relationships with each other's, relationships with our peers, with our principals. How do we reconnect? How do we build those important coaching connections? And how do we do it all? I've got two amazing guests on today, podcasters in their own rights, amazing educators. And before we bring our guests on, I want to bring on my co-host, Sue Vincent, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. I am great. It's great to be back with everyone. And as we head down toward the path of spring break, and we have just had an awesome big reunion here in Kentucky this week as, as we record. We have been enjoying our KISTI, Kentucky Society for Technology and Education Conference. Uh, the host state of Kentucky, EdTech leaders, administrators, teachers, all getting together in downtown Louisville and uh, presenting and learning. I've presented three sessions in two days. We have one more day tomorrow and I'm ready to just enjoy attending sessions tomorrow. So it's been awesome. I agree. Uh, this past week I had an opportunity to present at, uh, it's called NJEC, N-E-C-C. Um, it's basically the New Jersey Technology uh, Directors Conference. We did a great session there on how to create staff intranets and how does Google and Microsoft merge together. It is great to see everybody. It is great to get back. You know, even today, Sue, I had two meetings with ISTE. We're starting up a brand new ISTE podcast. Uh, there's a lot of great things happening. I am so thrilled with how the world is starting to open up. And I hope everybody out there yes. that's listening is doing well. We would love to hear from you. Of course, you can right, reach out to us every single day over at askthetechcoach.com. Find us on Twitter at askthetechcoach. And Sue, I am so excited about today because we have two amazing guests come on. I want to bring on Miss Devin Caldwell. Devin, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. I'm great, thanks. And I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Now, you are a K-8 resource teacher, university instructor, and you are also from Manitoba, Canada. How are things up there? And uh, what's the world look like these days up in Canada? You don't even want to know. It is so crazy stormy outside right now. I just taught a yoga class, an in-person one. Only three people out of 20 were able to attend because of mm. the weather. So, yeah, it's pretty cold and miserable in Manitoba at the moment. And, and what does ed tech look like up in Manitoba these days? Is it crazy? Is it? Is it teachers are into it? Are we teaching hybrid? What does the classroom look like for you up there? Well, um, I think between Leah and I, we're pretty well positioned to ask that to answer that question. I actually just finished collecting data for my PhD research, and my that my question 
question that I'm investigating is how and why teachers of young teachers of young children use technology. So I've had kind of a bird's eye view into four early years classrooms all of last year. So it's been really interesting to see how teachers use technology and why and how that shifted during the pandemic. So um, what, what I see is I think mainly teachers have quite a bit of access to technology, but the way they use it and why they use it varies quite a bit. And I want to bring on our next guest, Ms. Leah Obeck. Leah, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. Uh, I am doing well, and thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here after listening to many episodes. To be on the show is really exciting. I am so excited to have you on. We had a chance to catch up a few weeks ago where I was a guest on your podcast. Um, talk to us a little bit about yourself and, and tell us about the show that you guys do together, what it's all about, and how we can check it out. You bet. So I work uh, part-time as a technology coach, or as Jeff likes to joke, we all have a different name for this. So mine is also known as Literacy with ICT Teacher Leader um, for a small wow. rural school division here uh, in Manitoba, Canada. The reason I have the name is because we have an amazing support document called Literacy with ICT, which is our like technology integration framework, which is a really strong document. So that's why the long name. Um, and I support K-12 students and teachers with tech integration at 15 small rural schools. Um, I also work with Devin um, as KG Education, and together we host online in-person events that blend learning, wellness, and community. So one of the things that we do to support uh, our teacher community is host our podcast, uh, Cultivating Connection, where we talk lots about building those strong connections and education um, from uh, students to their teacher, teacher to teacher, your connection to self, um, and also those connections we can build beyond the classroom. So I am excited to have you guys on today, and I'm excited to talk about connections. And before we get into our conversation, I want to make a big announcement that we next week are going to be having an amazing opportunity to connect with you, our instructional coaching connections and community, I should say. Um, the date is March 16th. It is going to be held at 8.30. And we're going to be talking all about those activities that we have that are kind of in our back pocket. Lena, talk to us a little bit about this because we were discussing those activities that you have that, you know, when you walk into a classroom and a teacher says, hey, what do you got? Or I've got this topic. What can you bring to the conversation? These are those things that you just say, all right, how about we try a podcast or a newsletter or an infographic? Talk to us a little bit about some of the things that we're going to be discussing next week when we all get together on the 16th. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to joining you for the webinar. So as a technology coach working in so many different buildings, kind of rotating through about every three or four weeks, um, I often do have to have kind of a self-contained activity or lesson that I can complete uh, with a teacher in a class in, you know, usually about an hour. So um, when we were chatting, I thought it'd be really useful to share with our tech coach colleagues um, throughout our, our network some of the things that work well. So We've got some digital learning activities for all of you to take back and try out. And I know I'm always curious to hear from others what they're doing in the classroom. And I think one of the big things that technology does for us is gives us the, the power to get kids creating things and designing. So we're going to share some awesome ideas for how you can take those into your own classrooms or to the, your own tech coaching situation and use them. You can find out more information over at teachercast.net forward slash webinar. 
That's teachercast.net forward slash webinar. And we, you know, we've got almost a hundred people that are here checking this out. We hope to get about 150 or so in the webinar. Space is limited. Make sure you guys check that out. Teachercast.net slash webinar again. That's on March 16th at 8:30 Eastern. You know, Sue, last time we held one of these things. We did it for more than two to two and a half yes, hours. It went on and, for a while. And we had a lot of coaches and it was a great time. So Absolutely. don't hesitate to sign on up. Teachercast.net slash webinar. We're calling it our 10 digital learning activities that you can do with teachers in under one hour. Those little things. Sue, do you have anything that you, you kind of like to pull out of your back pocket and say, hey, this is a great lesson. Why don't you try this? Well, always a good one for me, and I think I may have mentioned this before, but I actually went to another session on it at the KISTI conference this week, is just the quick stop-motion animation activities on Google Slides. Just put teaching just those little kids how to get that image on there and move it from side to side, and then being able to go through that slideshow really quickly and see how they've animated it. Devin, how about yourself? What is one of your favorite uh, quick tip things that you just like to bring out with teachers? Well a tough one it depends on the audience i'm working with um in my like day job in my school district i'm with kindergarten to grade eight students and then i also work with university students so it kind of depends on on what my purpose is but i know um one thing that always brings people together is music and something that leah and i love to do just to get to know students or adults better is to create a collaborative playlist using something like Spotify or YouTube and having people select certain songs according to criteria about, you know, maybe something that reminds them of their hometown or a really great memory or um, takes them back in time. So creating a collaborative playlist works really well with people of all ages. It infuses technology and it helps you get to know one another better and just establishes that solid connection, which we really believe is the foundation of all learning. That's so awesome. We, we got we got Google slide animations. We got music playlists. Leah, what's yours? Oh, I think an awesome one, if you have enough lead time, is to set up a virtual field trip or a guest speaker. Um, just to give some context for our listeners, like Devin and I live in quite a rural area. Um, like I live on a farm with my husband, three cats and three horses, and we're literally miles from other people. Um, I live on like a 600 acre section of land. I commute 150 kilometers or like 90 miles to my furthest school. So it's not like we're putting kids on a bus and hopping down to, a, you know, the museum or a cultural activity. Um, a lot of our families uh, are in the same situation as me, and we live in a, a beautiful, wonderful area that contributes greatly to our agriculture industry. But it would be really difficult to access a lot of the things that are now available online for us um, to actually do them in person. So if I know ahead of time I'm visiting a classroom and working with a teacher, if we can find uh, a virtual field trip that fits for them. I recently did one to the Buffalo Bill Center in Wyoming. It was awesome. A hit. They do a really great job. Um, of their work. I always love visiting Yellowstone um, virtually. And we've had some amazing guests over the years too, to both Devin and I's classroom. When our kids were um, super interested in polar bears, we brought in a friend who'd actually been to Churchill, Manitoba and seen polar bears and had pictures and stories to tell about them. Um, I've had the founder of Codable, our, one of our favorite coding calls uh, tools, call into my class and answer their questions about um, how she founded that company and and how she created that amazing tool. I had um, a group of high school foods are in like nutrition uh, students 
actually work with a professional chef from Italy and they took cooking lessons through video call. And uh, Devin can attest to how obsessed I was with cooking Italian after that. So um, you can only imagine the impact that that had on everyone. And we've just had a lot of amazing experiences like that that would not have been otherwise possible without technology. You know, one of the things that I love about our coaching conversations is it's not just a place for us to share, but it's a place for everyone to share. If you have a great idea, a great lesson, something that you want to bring and contribute, it is going to definitely be a show and tell opportunity. So make sure that you guys are signing up on March 16th. It is teachercast.net slash webinar. That's teachercast.net slash webinar. Check it out. Our next TeacherCast coaching conversation. Today, I want to talk all about relationships, building connections, building relationships. You know, as a coach, I'm always reminded before you can get in and start to do the coaching experience, you got to have these relationships. What kind of relationships, relationships with teachers, with students, with our administrators, with each other? Let's kind of hit on that. First, I want to talk about students. Leah, why is it important that coaches have relationships with the students around them and, you know, get to know them, get to see them, get to work with them? Why are those kind of connections important? Well, I think we always need to have a strong relationship with the people that we're trying to teach. And that, in our case as coaches, means both the students and the teachers. So I think just taking the time to get to know the students you work with um, you know, like um, both of you, I work with hundreds of students in a year. So I do try to learn their names as best as I can. I try to show them that I'm there to support and help them. I try to let them get to know me. And I think it just really shows that um, they are important to us too, because uh, especially when you leave your own classroom, it's really hard um, to think about not having your own group of students. But the beautiful part is you get to build relationships with so many students in so many other classrooms. So I think just letting students know that they are important to us and that we care about getting to know them and having that strong relationship and helping them learn because sometimes they're taking risks in the classroom too when we ask them to use technology and try new things with their teacher and try new things with us. Is that something that we should be working on all the time? Is that something like I know for myself, like I'm in the hallways, I'm giving high fives, I'm doing the elbow thing. Like, how do you recommend coaches and students kind of start to get to know each other? I think it's just through that sharing, right? Letting them know a little bit about us each time and listening for some of those clues about them, um, whether it's their name or you overhear what they like or they're, you know, maybe they're designing their own book and they're writing about something they're really passionate about and you can kind of remember that for the next time you see them. It is challenging, especially um, in my case, uh, I might work with a teacher one month and then not again till the next school year. So sometimes it is hard to remember all of those kids and their their uh, preferences, but I think getting to know them again each time you step into that classroom and try to find out what you can is definitely worth our time um, just as much as it is for the educator that's in there every single day. I think it's just as valuable for us as coaches to take the time to do that. And either one of you, Leo or Devin, do you see that sometimes making those relationships with students, do you feel like that gets your foot in the door in some cases better with the teachers? I think so, because I think that um, teachers care so much about their students and they want to know that, uh, you know, if they're co-teaching with me or if, if I'm modeling a lesson while that teacher's watching, that I'm going to do a good job for their students and with their students. They want me to have a good rapport with them too. Otherwise, I can't be effective and therefore they can't be effective. So I do think that that helps your relationship with the teacher you're trying to coach and support as well. 
I think it ups your credibility definitely as you move forward throughout the coaching cycle, the process, what have you. I think it certainly helps if when you walk in a classroom, the kids are excited that you're there. And they're excited to see you. I mean, obviously, if you if if a if if a coach is walking in the room and the teacher gets the vibe that the kids don't want them there or they're uh, you know they're not in favor, they're not going to ask you back into their classrooms anymore. Yes, I certainly think um, it's a great feeling when the kids are excited to see you when you come in to visit and do a lesson, whether you're you're co-teaching or you're modeling or leading something with that teacher or supporting a small group. It's yeah, it's great. You want them to be engaged and excited, just like we would want to when it was our own personal classroom as well. I, I also like making sure that the activities I'm suggesting to teachers are in of the interest of what the students are. Now, Devin, you had mentioned earlier the, the, the music concept, building playlists. I'm assuming that some of those playlists have to do with music that the kids are interested in, things that are going to build them up and get them pumped up. Talk to us a little bit about how you interact, not just with your teachers, but with your students as well. Well, just to connect it to the playlist idea, um, all of the songs in the playlist are student selected, of course. I contribute my own ideas to different categories, so that way students learn a little bit about me. And then playlists just make a wonderful tool for transitions with students. So whether I'm in a kindergarten classroom or a university classroom, if I put on the calming playlist, everyone knows what that means and what they need to do without me talking about it a whole lot. So I think just using, you know, some of those little um, tips and tricks and tools just to make things run more smoothly in the classroom and create a more relaxed environment that's more conducive to learning. Nice. But it's not just the students. I mean, as we mentioned her earlier, having a good relationship with those students is really also as a design to get those relationships with our teachers. And this is something that I struggle with. You know, I'm in my first year in my building. Obviously, I want to get to know them as their coach. But before we get to know them as a coach, I need to get to know them as people. How you doing? How's your family? Lena, talk to us a little bit about some of the ways that you use and some of the tips you use to get to know your fellow teachers as not just coaching mentor mentee people, but really, you know, hey, I'm one of you. I'm here. And I know you've got a situation where like you're you said you might only see a teacher for one month out of the year. How do you forge those conversations? Mm -hmm. I think my biggest tip for getting to know teachers um, is just to hang out in the staff room. Most of our small schools have one common area where teachers meet for um, lunch, and it's usually a common schedule, especially pre-COVID, that tended to be where staff would gather. And I think for me, that's been a wonderful opportunity, especially when I was new to this role and didn't know a lot of the teachers in other schools, was just to go and have lunch with people. Um, and even if I, you know, sometimes in a coaching schedule, I would have um, an open slot between classrooms. Um, so even if I just sit in there and and work for a bit between, then when people walk in, they can see me, they can approach me, they know I'm there to, to support them. And I think you're right, it's great to get to know people a bit on the personal level. And then also get to know what um, their goals are in their classroom, what kind of support they need and would like. And, and to respect that too, because we are um, autonomous professionals and as teachers, it's up to us what we want to work on and focus on. So I have some teachers who love it if I show up with a totally new idea I've never tried and they're totally 
game on to do something new and different that no one's tried with me before. And I have other teachers who want something very specific. I need help, you know, addressing these math areas, or I need help, um, you know, creating a digital book. And I think just being aware of that and respecting it is so important um, for us as coaches, um, because it is, it's a big ask to trust someone to teach with you. We so often work alone that that I think that's a goes a long way just to show that you do respect your co-teacher. Talk to us a little bit about that. You're doing coaching work in the break room or you're doing coaching work in a common room or how, how do you blend the difference between um, your office and their lunch area? How does all that work and what's that dynamic look like? It's, <laughs> it's called not having an office. Um, okay. <laughs> so because I moved to a different building like every day, um, I actually just got office space for the first time this school year. So before that, I was just a teacher on wheels. Basically, I uh, if I had an, you know a half hour between classroom visits when I was co-teaching with someone, I would just sit anywhere there was room, usually a common room or staff room. And I would have my bag of technology with me and I would do whatever office and admin prep work I could get done in that time. Um, and sometimes being visible in that way is a is a great benefit because then people do approach you that might not otherwise if you were locked in an office behind a closed door somewhere. So I'm really grateful to have an office space for my dedicated office days when I'm not in a, a classroom or a school. Um, but yeah, that's still how I operate the other, um, you know, 70% of the time. I am basically just moving room to room, place to place. And if I have empty time between, I do that admin and prep work wherever I'm, wherever I'm sitting that day. Devin, what does your world look like? How do you get a chance to work with your teachers? Do you have a dedicated space? How do you create those personal relationships in addition to the professional relationships as a coach? Well, I'm a resource teacher, or you might know it as like a learning support or inclusive learning support teacher. So I do work with teachers and assist them in their efforts to integrate students with exceptionalities and provide like a, a high quality inclusive education. And I work in a small school. We're kindergarten to grade eight with like 110 children. So it's a small school. I know every teacher well, and I would consider every teacher in my building a friend. And I think it always comes down to communication and taking time to listen. So one thing I did was I started a teacher group chat that all of us have on our phones just through WhatsApp so that we can easily communicate. I started that a few years ago and it's just our total go-to way of communicating. Um, another thing I do is I start off the school year with one-on-one -on -one meetings with all of my teachers and we create a classroom profile. So we talk about like, what are their goals for the year? What are their challenge areas? What um, individual students need support? What whole class supports do they need? What services can I connect them or their students with? How can I come in and support them? So I just think like laying out kind of that roadmap for the year in one-on-one -on -one meetings with teachers is a really important tool in my ability to, to partner with teachers and collaborate with teachers. And I think it's also really important to appear non-threatening and non-judgmental like no teacher wants you coming in there feeling like you can do a better job than them or that you are judging their classroom practice and um like i've been told many times like my face is like an open book so i always need to like make sure i'm i'm controlling my facial expressions um masks have definitely helped with that i mean it's a non-issue in my building i work with an incredible team of teachers but i just think it's 
just showing them like that you're open, you're there to meet them where they're at, and you just want to partner with them to help them move forward for the sake of providing the best possible education to their students. Now, so you've also had an opportunity, as you mentioned earlier, to be connecting with teachers at conferences. What, what has that been like for you? And getting to know people, getting to see people that are, you know, across the entire state of Kentucky. I'm saying that as I'm looking forward to seeing everybody at ISTE and these other conferences coming up. But I mean, these connections that we make professionally outside of our districts is just as important as the ones that we're making in. Oh, absolutely. And um, this is this very conversation we're having. I just presented a session on these very things at the conference this week. But yes, creating that professional learning network for yourself as a tech coach, which needs to include both tech coaches and instructional coaches, but bringing those teachers into the fold also and making those connections of not just what's going on in your part of the state or your part of the country wherever you might be, but seeing what's going on in, you know, I'm here in the Louisville area and in the more populated part of the state, but you can go Eastern Kentucky to the mountains and they're more rural, much like what Leah described where she lived. And, you know, seeing what's going on there, seeing the climate of the area, what's going on. And, and that's a huge thing. And then making those connections of, yes, we're all in the same boat and feeling the same thing. And this is going on in this rural area, but this is also going on and we're feeling these same feelings about pandemics or other social issues that might be going on and actually ended up handling them in very similar manners. Earlier today, I mentioned that we had a, a meeting for a new ISTE podcast that's coming up. And one of the topics that we're going to be discussing on that is the how do you network? How do you meet other people? How do you approach people at conferences? Does anybody here have any recommendations on how do you make friends? How do you social network? What kind of tips and tricks do you have? Um, the one that's always fun to talk about is how do you approach those edgy celebrities that you see on Twitter? But what advice do you have for making those connections and making meaningful ones um, at conferences? Well, we never like to miss a happy hour or um, like a meal or a coffee break at a conference. And sometimes those are the times you make the best connections with people is, you know, chatting over a cup of coffee or just like really embracing those unstructured times where people have an opportunity to come up to each other and chat. Um, wearing your name tag so people know who you are. Um, tweeting that you're actually there. Um, yeah, like... It just makes me realize how much I miss it. Like we haven't been at an in-person conference since 2020. Mm -hmm. And um, it definitely used to be one of Leah's and my absolute favorite things to do. Um, Leah, I'm sure you can, you can add a few things to this. I think being well-connected online ahead of time also helps. Like something that two years of conference withdrawal has taught us is how amazingly strong and powerful our online network of educators is. Um, We've moved to hosting all of our events at KG Education online. We, we've done some back to school events to connect um, educators and get prepped for back to school. We have started a community for early career educators in their first five years. And we've really committed to just sharing consistently uh, online through our social media channels. And it's just amazing the conversations and connections you can have through those platforms and then when you show up in person to a conference, it somehow feels maybe a little less scary 
to talk to those people or they'll come up to to me. I mean, I was shopping the other day and a teacher recognized me, even masked. We're still masked. And uh, she's like, oh, I think I follow your Instagram account, right? Your KG education. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. And we had a great conversation in the store because of that. Um, so I really hope as soon as we're back to in-person conferences, that all of the amazing people that we've networked with online are going to, you know, walk up to us, say hello, and we'll do the same. Uh, and I think sometimes that makes it a little less intimidating because you don't feel like strangers when you've gotten to know people online for weeks or months ahead of time. I want to ask you to expand on on that same topic of putting content out there and not necessarily the being recognized, but knowing that other people are connecting with you. Um, I think we've all through our podcasts and through our presentations have had the opportunity to have somebody come up and say, I listen, I follow, I watch, you've helped me um, with your podcast. What is it like to be able to connect with teachers and educators and coaches from all around and know that the work that you're doing, the content that you're putting out is being used all around the world to help out students and teachers? I think that's the reason we do it. Like it's not it's not always easy, as we all know in this group, to to put yourself out there online, whatever it is you do, a podcast, a blog, social media posts. Um but I think when we share, we are stronger because we learn from other teachers in that way. Um, and that's what it's all about. Like, if we're not leveraging technology for that purpose, then I think we're really, really missing out um, because it's certainly a big piece of what what we can do. So, um, yeah, it's I mean, sure, it's fun when you recognize each other, but it's also great when I can see someone and say like, oh, hey, I borrowed your idea from from Instagram and it worked really well in my classroom or, Hey, that webinar, um, when I got some ideas from Jeff, I went back to my own classrooms and three of those things worked really well for me too. So I think that we're, we're definitely stronger together when we are connected as educators and whether that's, you know, a, a mixture, it might be a mixture of tech coaches and classroom teachers and administrators and even people who, you know, work for those tech companies, what, whatever it is. I think we all, when we're, we're networked and connected, that we certainly are more impactful and, and more powerful. Sue, I know you do a lot of work outside of the classroom as well. I noticed that you also do a lot of work with our good friend, Casey Bell. What is it like to have those kind of strong connections with other like-minded presenters, content creators, educators, to know that you can bounce ideas off of each other and really start to grow a great product to help out so many teachers, educators, and coaches? Right. First of all, just for me in my aspirations as a tech coach and a learner, just having someone like that as a mentor to follow and to not necessarily mimic and do things the exact same way as she does, but just to get ideas of how to present myself, how to build my brand. And, you know, I've learned a lot from my work here with Jeff in the same realm and, you know, all of these other people that you might follow, we all have our favorite people we follow and um, mentor ourselves under, but that's huge as, huge as a tech coach. And then letting what you've learned from these um, bigger names that we may call them. And that makes you a better coach in the long run to then mentor your own teachers in your own building and, I think it just makes your skills, your presentation style look and sound so much more polished and professional as you move forward. 
I know around here in the States, I guess globally, you know, we have groups like our Microsoft Innovative Educator, our Google Trainers. Um, lots of these other ed tech companies are starting to have, you know, a, a, a adoption programs and stuff like that. I mean, Devin, these are other programs where like-minded educators can get together, bounce ideas off of each other, whether it be open or in a small membership group. That's pretty awesome. Do you belong to any of those kinds of groups? And if so, what do those kinds of relationships mean to you when you have other like-minded educators doing that type of work together? I was part of the Microsoft Innovative Expert Educator Program for many years, and it had a profound impact on who I was and who I became as an educator. And it was just sometimes you don't have a like-minded teaching partner in your building, especially when you teach in a smaller rural school. And when Leah and I became connected with teachers all over the world who were just so innovative, so excited about education, always wanting to just like take things a step further and like build on the ideas that everyone came up with. It was just one of the most amazing experiences we ever had. And it's kind of led to the work that we've done in KG Education because we're really passionate about developing a community of educators to support each other and learn and grow together. So we've kind of tried to scale that to our work in KG Education because we just know how incredibly impactful it's been to us to be involved with some of those groups. Like even right now as a PhD candidate, I'm part of, there's like a University of Victoria um, like graduate drop-in coffee hour every other week on Zoom. And just as often as possible, I try and pop into those sessions too, because just being connected with other educators or students doing the same thing as me is really motivating and empowering. So I think it can have a huge impact. Uh, I completely agree. As somebody who's also in a doctorate program, I rely on other people in my doctorate program for help, support, and 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 you know, study sessions and the, Hey, how do I do this? You you've been here before making sure you make all of those connections is important. And, you know, Leah, one of the last things I wanted to ask you guys here is all about self-awareness, having that not only good connections with other teachers, other educators, other students, but making sure you've got a good connection with yourself. And that really brings up the whole concept of social emotional learning about yourself, making sure that you are in charge of yourself and making sure that you are in control of where you are, why is that important that all coaches, all educators, make sure they're always doing that self-check-in every day? Yeah, Devin and I have had some interesting conversations in the last couple of years about this connection to self-peace because I feel like they were lessons learned the hard way for us where we so often were so passionate and so excited and so all in on all things education that we often forgot about taking care of ourselves. And I think that was to the detriment of our personal and professional lives. And we have come through that. And I feel like we are most of the time in a better place um, to have the self-awareness to realize that the things that we do to stay connected to self and to look after ourselves actually help us show up um, as better educators, but also as better people in other areas of our life too, so that we can, you know, show up at our best and do a great job and be passionate educators and coaches in my case for many years to come. Um, and I think that sometimes it feels selfish to prioritize that. And we have a hard time with that in our giving profession where we're there to support students and support teachers and help others. Um, but it's been a big uh, mental shift for kind of us to recognize that 
by taking care of ourselves, then we can be there for others and do a great job for others. Yeah, absolutely. This is all good stuff. And I've just in the show notes, as you're looking and reflecting on what we're talking about, I've actually placed a slide from one of my recent presentations. It's called Coaching to Greatness. And actually, my friend and colleague in, in Ohio, Sarah Kiefer, helped me create this. Uh, and it's thinking about who your target audiences are. And it talks about on this slide that I uh, screenshotted on the show notes of just different ideas and ways to make connections with these different groups, including connecting with yourself and other role models besides just ed tech. And we will make sure that that sh those show notes are on our website over at ask the tech coach podcast, episode number 183 guys. I want to say thank you for being on the show, but before we wrap up, I want everybody to get, have the opportunity to say one last thing in closing here about making recommendations for many school districts, mine included. We're at that midway point here, although it seems like we've been in school a long time. We do have another two full marking periods to go, and it's going to be a long summer to get us into September. What advice do you have for any coach? coach, resource, teacher, anybody out there who is looking ahead and saying, okay, I've got another half of the school year in front of me. How can I create, rekindle, make, form, forge, whatever great relationships so we can work our way through the middle of the year and end the year off on a positive note. Devin, what's your recommendation as we move towards the end of the year? I just think so often, especially like in Manitoba right now, we're into, um, end of second term assessments and preparing report cards that we just stop taking the time to check in with people and chat and visit. And then our connections with our colleagues suffer at school. And I know for me, there's days I have to push myself to go to the staff room because I either have too much to do or I'm just, you know, feeling overwhelmed, maybe a little bit down and, and don't feel like connecting with people. So I think it's continuing to, to push ourselves to reach out to others because I know that like, we always feel better after making those connections. So I think just continuing to, to take the time to do those things. And, and of course, as Leah mentioned, continuing to practice self-care because we can't be there for others if we're not first there for ourselves. Very well said. Leah, what's your thought on making connections towards the end of the year? I think just remember to reach out and however is most comfortable for you. So if it's most comfortable to go check in with your teacher bestie who works at your school or who you can text after school, check in with them, see how they are. But if you're more comfortable checking in with someone, uh, you know, in your social media network uh, or your online network, go ahead and send them a DM on social media and just say like, hey, just wanted to let you know I was thinking of you or that that idea you shared was super helpful because I think um, it's just nice to know that, that there are other people out there that we're going through this together. It's been a long haul. Uh, school years, uh, you know, have their rough patches and we've been through two pandemic years, so. I think however feels most comfortable for you, reach out and connect with someone in your network, either in person or online. I think that is very well put. Sue, what's your thoughts on getting together at the end of the year and making sure that those connections are solid? Oh, absolutely. And mine was kind of tagging off what Devin was saying is just, you know, having those boundaries for yourself to keep yourself motivated. And then as you move toward the end of the year, you know, keep checking in and keep checking in and follow up, you know, wrap up the year with them. And, and if you're fortunate enough, like Devin was to have that small staff in your building, you know, you can make those one-on-one -on -one connections, but find a way, whether it's through a Google form, through a Flipgrid, 
um, back and forth sharing reflection. Find a way to connect with them and then see what you can do for them, you know, whether it's through the summer and just thinking and that thought process and being ready to um, start fresh at the beginning of the year. What could you think about of how to help them throughout that summer months? Building relationships, making good connections, and making sure that everything is being put all in one spot and that you are also keeping track of yourself are so important. We want to know what you guys think. You can head on over to askthetechcoach.com, reach out to us, and of course, we'd love to hear, hear from you guys on Twitter over at AskTheTechCoach. We want to remind you that we're having our next TeacherCast coaching conversations on Wednesday night, March the 16th. That is this week, guys. Wednesday night, March the 16th at 8.30 p.m. You can register over at at teachercast.net forward slash webinar. The topic again is 10 digital learning activities that you can do with teachers. And this is my favorite part here in under one hour. Those little things that you can pull out of your back pocket and do in one session with your kids. You don't want to miss this. We've got a lot of people registered already and we would love to have you guys be there. Teachercast.net forward slash webinar. Uh, Devin, Leah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes, Tell us you. all where we can learn about you. How do we check out that podcast? And where do we find more information about KG Education? You can connect well, thank with you us. So much for having you. Oh, go ahead. You can connect with us um, basically everywhere as at kgeducation.ca. It's our website. It's our Instagram. It's our Facebook. So that's the easiest way to find us. And uh, thank you so much for inviting us to join the show with two other co-hosts. So exciting. Absolutely. Sue, where can we find out more information about the great things that you're doing? Uh, look for me on Twitter at SV314DWS or over on my YouTube channel at um, either search for my name, Susan Vincents, or Tech Imaginations. Next week, the day after we get done with this, we are going to be launching a brand new show all about one of my favorite topics, imposter syndrome. Something that we know a lot of coaches feel every time they walk into a PD session, a conference session, or even a third grade classroom. If you have been uh, one of those people that have kind of doubted yourself, asked yourself, how did I get here? We have two great guests coming on to talk all about imposter syndrome. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button and check in next week as we talk about one of my favorite topics, imposter syndrome. And that wraps up this episode of Ask the Tech Coach on behalf of Leah, Devin, Sue, and everybody here on the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.